So for the last couple of months, we've been trying to help build up the hope in our church, right? That's why we wanted to deal with this series, recognizing that not just in our church, but in our culture period, because of the state of much of what's been going on, our world is somewhat hope anemic, right? Yeah, it's not necessarily about finding some type of positive affirmation to live by. That's, that's what we've kind of been refuting in this series, or whether or not we can just think positively about life itself. One of the things that we've learned through this series and through talking with people is people would like to be hopeful, but sometimes, and maybe you found yourself in this place, you feel like you don't even have the energy enough to have hope. You feel like, man, listen, my life is just tireless. I'm just exhausted over and over again. Have you ever been so depleted that you just lost the ability to care? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, just so mentally, physically, spiritually exhausted that you don't care anymore. As a matter of fact, have you ever been so tired, man, you just wake up in the morning, this is how you go out the door. You, you leave out looking like this. You just, just, that's, that's how you go. Or maybe, maybe you look like this. This is, yeah, man, just been so tired. I think that there are many who would like to live and lead a hope-filled existence. Yet your current realities won't allow you. You got to take that off, Jennifer. I ain't going to be able to focus. <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> Just, it, all, it ain't you, it's me. It's <laughs> but I think what happens to us is that oftentimes our current reality won't allow us to lead a hope-filled life. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough money don't have enough of whatever else it seems that's required to live hopefully. And so we don't have it. We don't have time, man. You need time to be hopeful. And time is such a limited commodity. The reality is, is when we're looking at how to lead hope-filled lives, we can always get more of anything else. But the one thing that we cannot get more of is time. And what happens is when we spend the gift of time that God has given us to gain more of everything else, we eventually exhaust our time, and therein is when you find burnout. You find burnout when you exhaust the gift of time trying to gain everything else, and because you exhaust the greatest gift that you have, it runs out or runs thin, and you burned out. You burn out. Since time is our most precious commodity, doesn't it make sense then that we shouldn't spend the bulk of our time trying to gain other things? Shouldn't we use those things in order to enjoy our time? We do the reverse, though, don't we? That's the proper order. The proper order is for us to use the other things to enjoy time, not to use time to enjoy those things. So if this is about replacing burnout with balance, then what does a balanced life look like so that burnout wouldn't happen? That's the question that Ray is asking in this question. And I have to be honest with you, um, I'd be one of the biggest hypocrites there ever was if I were to stand on stage today. And I would say to you that, listen, if you follow these step-by-step -step examples, 
And if you live your life like this, then burnout wouldn't come. Because I, I don't even live like that. I, 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 if you know me, I'm not a scheduled person. Uh, I just wake up every day and I kind of follow the wind and see what happens. That's kind of how I'm wired up. I get things done. I just get it done in my time. And uh, so I'm not going to give you that because I'd be lying to you. I don't, I don't live like that. And I think when it comes to scheduling and things of that nature, it's a subjective conversation. You've got to do what fits for you. I, I, I am not like that. Now, my wife is, man, she can work some time. And she works it. She can put it together, man. It's a skill, though. It's a skill. I couldn't, I couldn't survive the way that she does. But she's got it down to a science. What I will tell you is this. The key ultimately to leading a balanced life is avoiding the things that drain you and pursuing the things that energize you. Yeah, that's what I can tell you. Now, what that looks like for you, I don't know. But what I will tell you is the key to a balanced life that does not lead to burnout is avoiding the things that drain you and pursuing the energize you that fuel you use the precious gift of time that you have enjoying what gives you that gift. And I believe, man, that this is one of the lessons that we learn when we read the creation story. One of the reasons that it's so difficult for us to lead balanced lives is that we've forgotten who we are in creation. In the beginning, God created everything, right? He created the heavens. He created the earth. He created the seas. He created all of existence. And the last thing that he created was what? It was us. He created this beautiful existence, this beautiful place, the heavens and the earth, land, animals, all these things. And he placed his most prized possession in the midst of this creation and said, this is for you. You enjoy it. As a matter of fact, let's read it in Genesis 1 and 26. This is what you'll find. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then, that is, after God created everything, he creates humanity and sits us in creation and says, all of this is yours. I made it for you so that you could rule, have dominion over all of these things. So the world that God created, brothers and sisters, was created for you and I. You and I were not created for the world. Burnout comes when we forget that God created the world for us, not that the world was created for us, that we were created for the world. When you wake up every day and you exert all of your energy serving creation that was created to serve you, it's, it's let me give you an example. Uh, it's like uh, my wife and I went to a Christmas party this past season. Uh, we left out, went into the parking lot, and there were two ladies there uh, trying to figure out how to give one a jump. So one's battery was dead, the other was there trying to give her a jump, and they didn't know what they were doing. And so I, I went over to assist, and I got one lady whose battery was dead. I got her hooked up, and the other lady, she was trying to be helpful. She took her end of the jumper cables and proceeded to try to put them in in the reverse order. Thank God I stopped her before she did. I grabbed the cables and I said, no, baby, you don't want to do that. And so, uh, so we, we got her hooked up and ultimately the jump took place. 
She then asked me the question, what would have happened had we put it in the reverse order? Now here, let me, let me preface this by this. I did not mansplain to her, by the way, ladies. Don't, don't come up to me afterwards and say, well, Pastor, I don't really like the way that you said that you was mansplained. I did not. I just simply answered her question. What I told her is this. Had the cords or the cables been reversed, then the reverse would have happened. What should have happened is that the charged battery should have gave life to the dead battery. But had you reversed and what would have happened is the dead battery would have taken the life from the charged battery. Whenever humanity is serving the creation that was created to serve humanity, the same thing happens. We were here, put here, God put it here so that creation would give life to us, not that we would give life to creation. It is here so that it can serve you. So this is what life looks like when our entire lives serving what was created us. And in actuality, this is really a conversation or a discussion about identity, right? Yeah, God created a world, and when he created humanity to rule the world, he created us in his image and likeness. We were created to be God's image, his reflection on earth. We were created to be his reflection. It's the same way that your children, if you have kids, your children are a reflection of you or all of us are somebody's child. We are a reflection of our parents. That's what God created us for. So if we were created in the image of God, and right here in Genesis 1, the name or the word that he uses for God is the name Elohim. Elohim specifically talks about the authority, the power, the governance, and authority of God over all of creation. So God says, Elohim, the authority, the governor of the world, he says, I'm going to create you in my image so that you can be like me on the planet. I rule over all of the universe. I am creating you as my reflection for you to rule over the earth. Does that make sense? Yeah, I created you to be like me on the planet. And so God's intention is that the very nature of humanity is to rule creation. So then the key to leading a more balanced life is remembering that you are made by God and that you were not made by creation. I'm going to say that one more time. The key to living a balanced life is remembering that you were made by God and you were not made by nature. And I don't care. I know he just passed away. What Stephen Hawking or any of those other scientists may say about creation, God created you. God made us. Nature did not somehow come upon us. There was an intelligent design by Elohim that created us, that gave us life to have rule on this planet. You were created to rule the way that God has intended for you. You were made by God. You were made by your job. Stop serving your job. You were not made by your possessions. Stop serving your possessions. You were not made by the land, property, the earth. So stop serving those things. You were made and created by God. What happens, this is what we do. In a pursuit of those things, what we do is we find ourselves exhausting all of our time resources serving those things. Serving your time in your job. Serving time in your family, serving time in the community, serving time, getting more possessions, more, 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 more will always lead to a life that is exhausted of time and burnout will come to you. Because God did not create you for that. God created those things for you. Well, not only is uh, burnout an identity issue, it's also an issue of contentment. 
When things are out of order, we find ourselves serving creation rather than creation serving us. Then we begin to find our value in those things and how much we have or how much we do not have. Because ultimately, we want to enjoy life, right? And so if I'm going to enjoy life, then a good life is life where I have those things. It's a question of contentment. Whether or not God has blessed me the way that I want. There's a whole story about a guy who, whose, whose friends, man, they, they were all coming up. And uh, he was doing pretty well. He had a nice home, but all of his friends began buying more, exper- more, um, more expensive and luxurious homes. And so uh, he, he finally figured out that, you know what, I, I need to be like my friend, so I'm going to get a better home. And so he called a realtor. He put his house on the market. And um, a couple of days later, he's there at work, and he's been talking to one of his coworkers about his desire for a better, more luxurious home. They're sitting in his office, and his co-worker on lunch break is just looking through the classified ads in the paper. He comes upon this beautiful house in the paper, and he says to his friend, he says, man, listen, I heard what you want. I see a house in the paper that sounds just like what you want. It sounds like the perfect home. He says, well, describe it to me. He describes it to him. He says, man, it does sound like the perfect home. He says, give me the listing number. He gets the listing number. He calls his realtor, and he says, hey, man, we're sitting here looking at the paper, me and my coworker, and we found a home that sounds exactly like what me and my wife have been hoping for. The realtor says, okay, I'll check it out. Give me the listing number. He gives her the listed number. The realtor writes the number down. The realtor looks it up immediately, and there's a long pause. The man says, is there a problem? He says, well, a little bit of a problem. The home that you're asking me to look up is the home that you currently live in. But that's what happens in our lives, right? We look at other people's existence, and because we're pursuing their existence or what they have, we then exert the gift of God has given us time trying to be like them. I'm going to give it to you basically like uh, one of my favorite rappers. He says this, J. Cole says this, there's no such thing as a life that's better than yours. And you ain't never going to be happy until you love yours. Don't get caught up in the trap and thinking that you've got to exhaust your time to keep up with everything else. God has blessed you. Be content with what the Lord has done. I can show you still in the scripture in this very same creation narrative where that became the problem. Can I show you? Let, let's, let's stick right in chapter 1 real quickly. This is what happens. Verse 1, chapter 29 and 30, and God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with its seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God said, listen, everything that you need, I got it. Everything that you could ever desire, I've given it to you. It is already yours. I've given it to you. Adam and Eve had everything they want. As a matter of fact, Eden was literally considered paradise. Yeah, in Revelation, when it's talking about the world return to paradise, it's painting the picture of Eden. Eden was everything that humanity could ever want. It's everything that they desired, but for some reason, paradise wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And I get it, man. You guys are intelligent. And some of you are saying right now, Pastor, I hear you. It sounds good theologically, but I don't live in paradise. 
My existence isn't paradise. I've got problems. The only reason that I'm working so tirelessly is because I want better for me and I want better for my family. Well, brothers and sisters, listen to me. Eden was only paradise because Adam and Eve lived in what God had gave them. And as a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that he who is faithful over a few, I will then make you ruler over many. If you want to know how to experience paradise, rather than begrudging your daily existence, how about you wake up every day giving God glory for whatever it is that you have? Because here's what happened. Here's what happened. We fast forward a little bit further, right? Humanity sins, and here's the conversation after that. What we'll find then in chapter 3 in the very same book, and to Adam he said... Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. For some reason, Adam and Eve let the enemy trick them into believing that what God has provided wasn't enough. I'll give that to y'all one more time. For some reason, Adam and Eve allowed the enemy to believe or trick them into believing that what God has provided was not enough. What God gives, brothers and sisters, is enough. It may not look like an abundance when you compare it to other people, but it is abundant from the heart of God to you because you are his most prized possession. You are his greatest gift. He has given you everything that he has. Matter of fact, man, he's given you the best prize of all. We'll talk about it in a couple of weeks. He's given you his life on Calvary's cross that you can have life. God has given you his very best. So they go from fruitfulness to a cursed land and to pain. And Jesus says, listen, I want you to be faithful over those few things so that you can experience the great things that I have for you. As a matter of fact, when I love it, Paul says, man, I've learned, man, I've learned to be content in any and every situation. Whether I was well fed or I was hungry. Whether I was living in plenty or in one. And matter of fact, man, that verse there that we quote all the time off of that testimony, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I know we think that it's like, man, I can do all things, I can fly. Because if God gives me the strength, no, it's also Paul saying, listen, in whatever state I find myself, I can do what God wants me to do, regardless of my situation. Whether my bank account is full or even if it's in the red, whether I'm living in the hills or if I'm living in the valley, no matter where I find myself, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The key to living a balanced and a fruitful life, a life that is not filled with burnout, is by proclaiming what the alt saints used to sing. They would say, Lord, all that I have, thou hast provided, and great is your faithfulness. God has been faithful. And if you want to know how not to pursue burnout, recognize the faithfulness, the faithfulness of our God, of our King, and he will show you how he can give you life and energy when you feel like you have nothing left. God wants you to live fruitfully in the existence that you have, knowing that he's right there for you, knowing that he's providing for you at all the time. There was, um, in the early days, the Greeks had an... Um, 
had a race that they would have during their, their Olympics before it spread out through the world. And it was a really simple race. All the runners had torches. That's why you see the torch that starts the Olympic series. But there was a difference in this race. This race wasn't about who finished first. This race was about who finished with the torch still lit. Yeah. God wants to know in your life. He don't care about how fast or how quickly or the abundance that you have in getting it done. God wants to know if he can still use you if your torch is still lit. How, how, how are we going to change the world? You can't even keep your eyes open because you're burning the candle in both ends. Yeah. How are we going to love the unlovable if you don't have time enough to speak with people, to love on people, if you're burning the candle at both ends? How are we going to change our communities if you're so busy working from one moment to the next trying to pursue and gain more? The reality is, is God did not create us for more. The abundant life that Jesus was talking about was not about the abundance of things. It was about fruitful living. And God wants you to live fruitfully because I declare, man, if the people of God start living in existence fruitfully, believing and loving and trusting God wherever they find themselves, then I'm telling you from every prostitute on the corner to the drug dealers in the streets to the people in the hills, they will all stand and proclaim how great our God is. If we recognize that we can be great and faithful and content in all situations, then God will do something in our lives. But if you don't have time for God, if you're so busy working, if you're so busy stressing yourself out because you want something bigger and better, how does change ever happen? You were created to rule, to have dominion over the planet. The problem with the body of Christ is we're allowing creation to rule over us. And burnout comes whenever the roles are reversed. When we are serving something that was never created to be served and being ruled by something that was never created to rule. Rule over your life. Rule over your time. Rule over your job. Structure your life so that you can see the blessing in your existence. Have Annie and Kevin come on forth. There's an old story of, um, of, of, of a man who prayed and, and he says, listen, God, I really would like to see a miracle. And um, I've never seen a miracle in my life. And that day, a new baby was born into their family. Say, God, I want to feel your touch. I hear people say they've been touched by God. I've never been touched by God. And at that very moment, a butterfly landed on his shoulder. Say, God, man, I, I want to I feel your kiss for, I, I read in the Bible about the kiss and how sweet it is, but I've never experienced it. And the wind began to blow. And the man just went away depressed thinking that God doesn't answer prayers. And on the day that he went into heaven, the Lord simply says, man, I've been showing, kissing, loving you all the days of your life. And the only reason you have led a hope-depleted existence is because you failed to open your eyes and see the miracle that I was providing for you. Don't spend your time chasing things that are fleeting 
and missing that which is eternal, which comes only by Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.